0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Said it this morning and he laughed at me, but Brother Level, Brother Micah, onto the stage. Yeah, come on I, I hate to say this But I kind of love when Aaron and Nicole aren't here Because then, like, sometimes Micah gets to speak And, oh, dude, I just, I really value what the Lord has put in your heart And the things that he's given you to speak And so, let's just pray for him I just, just stretch out your hand towards Micah And say, Lord, help him <laughs> Just kidding <laughs> Not really now, now put your hand on your heart and Say, Lord, help me, I need it more Right? now let's just, let's, I'm just gonna pray for you and then, and then you can start. So God, we just thank you for Micah. We thank you for the Level family. Lord, we ask that you would release your glory and might upon him, your power and love within it. Lord, that your words would flow through his mouth, that his tongue would be as the pen of a ready writer, that he would speak words of life, that the meditations from this week of his heart and the words of his mouth that he speaks today would be well-pleasing to you in
1: Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks. Well, wow. woo! Jeez, that's dangerous. You guys are. You guys are. Yeah, the kids. If you guys are uh, any, I guess it'd be babies up to fifth grade, I believe. Uh, you can head on out to your classes now, and you need to be checked in by an adult. Uh, if you are, uh, I guess preschool and under little kids, uh, just head on out there, and you can find your way to uh, the class. Sweet. Wow. Man, that transition time was amazing, so powerful. I love, yeah, how many of you guys felt touched by the presence of God? I, I, there was something really unique happening. I love watching the presence just move through the room and, and making room for him to move, uh, making room, making space for him to have his way. I, it's just so special to me. I, I, I love the gift of tongues even. I love, I love tongues. Maybe you have questions of what exactly it is. Uh, but I love the gift of tongues. In, in the Bible, it says that it's to build ourselves up in our, in our inner man, our most holy faith, as we speak this spiritual language. I really believe it's actually the language of heaven, that when we die, there will be one universal language in heaven, and I think it'll be tongues. Uh, and I love it because we're, it's like our spirit man is being strengthened and built up as we're fully just interacting with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I love that. I see a lot of breakthrough. Lately, I've been taking risks and just praying over people in tongues out on the streets that have no grid for it. And people are getting delivered from demons or getting set free or healed as we just boldly pray over them in tongues on the sidewalk. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I love it. So man, it's great. That was so powerful. Um, Thank you, worship team, for just leading us in the presence. Um, Wow. Well, how's everybody doing? Good? Cool. Cool. Man, so it's been a little while since I've been up here. We, uh, recently, my Meredith and I and our kiddos, we got to lead a team to Mexico, an Upper Rumi team, which was awesome. So you quickly share the plunders, so that because we're all sharing in what happened. Uh, we saw over 30 people born again. Uh, come on. I mean, literally, over 30 people born again. And we were there for about five days. Five days, saw about 30 people born again, some miracles, and was able to just come along and mutually encouraged, encouraged the church uh, with Armando and Nancy, but also we were really refreshed and encouraged by them. So it was just an amazing time, uh, really fruitful. I love seeing the team. uh, Some of them are here today, but I love seeing the team just like really go for it. Uh, Just do stuff that they hadn't done before. And if if you went with me, I kind of, (laughs) I pushed them out a little bit and it was awesome. They did a great job. So yeah, really good. Um, but hey, I, I get the privilege to continue the summer Vibes series. Are you guys enjoying summer vibes? <laughs> it's pretty. It's been a fun series. Obviously, we got all the decor up here on the stage, and uh, you know, part of the—I I can't remember. I guess it, it's not true. It's just this summer vibes. But I've been seeing the hashtag summer vibes whenever we post uh, the sermon. Whenever we're posting, you know, the, the latest sermon, we've been doing hashtag summer vibes. And a part of what I really wanted to talk about today is how to be free and liberated from comparison and to walk confidently in your own story. To be confident in your own story and your own identity of who God has made you to be. And part of the things that I see with Summer Vibes, we've talked about summer love, we've talked about vacations and all these different things, but. One of the things that I commonly see with Summer Vibes is there's a lot of posts on social media of glamorous vacations, summer beach bodies, and all these different things. And you know, we're, and I love it, I do that too. I like to post, you know, look where we are, look at, you know, we're at this place or we're here. And, but commonly what can happen, especially in the day and age we live in with social media, is we compare ourselves to other people's experiences whether that be their vacation or their car that they have or their body that they have. And we can easily, especially in the day and age we live in now, fall under that comparison, fall under that. And the greater reality of comparison, greater than a beach body or a vacation or a home or a car, is the trap that the enemy wants to get us in is falling under comparison, and it robs and steals our personal assignment. And we don't want our personal assignment to be stolen, amen? We, we, we want our personal, we want to walk in our personal assignment, our personal calling. And if we compare ourselves to another, we actually rob ourselves of our calling. Amen. So I really want to talk to you guys about this today. I love this quote from, uh, from Theodore Roosevelt. You guys know Theodore Roosevelt? I hope so. If not, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but Theodore Roosevelt, man, he, he said this thing. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's totally true. It's been true of my own life, and I'm sharing with you today from my own experience. I've really had to overcome comparison and the fear of man. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I think maybe that's something we've all struggled with, is falling under the trap of comparing ourselves to our neighbor and getting uh, rooted in the fear of man. And I, I love that, that, that statement because that's really been true for me. Anytime I've battled comparison or fell under that, I've found my joy dr- uh, meter drops. <laughs> the joy starts to kind of deplete in me because I'm not living in my shoes, I'm living in somebody else's. Amen? So it, it's really important to get liberated from this. Um, you know, I, I think of, of my own stories of this, of falling under comparison. Even just recently, the Lord, the last two years or so, the Lord's really been taking me on a journey of setting me free from this issue, setting me, f- me free from this thing. And you can fill in the blank because I'm looking at a room full of world changers. And every single person in this room, you have a personal assignment and call on your life to change the world, to change your world, to change the world or the influence that you are find yourself in. Does that make sense? And so th- I know that that's true for each and every one of us. You can fill in the blank, but for me, right out of the gate of getting saved, I was called to be an evangelist. And you can fill in the blank for your assignment. You can, I am called to, and you can fill in your personal call. But for me, I was called to be an evangelist. And commonly, I had this privilege to hang out with powerful evangelists. Steve Bowen's one of them. I remember uh, when I was a younger, just out of the, uh, kind of really getting started in this thing. He got, uh, I, uh, I got lunch with him and he gave me his book. And I remember I was a little like nervous, you know, man, what the, he's written a book on evangelism and all this stuff. So the, the, we get this privilege to hang out with people that are a little farther along than we are in the specific thing that we feel called to. And commonly what I found myself doing when I would get around these powerful evangelists is I would find my confidence depleted. Can anybody else relate? You can fill in the blank. I'd find my confidence, I'd find myself timid and and nervous around these other powerful men or women of God. And I I, I was like, what is the deal here? And I was like, you know, I'm not a timid person. (laughs) Have you figured that out? (laughs) I'm not a timid person, but why am I suddenly all timid and feeling my confidence totally depleted when I'm around other evangelists? And it would happen over and over again. And finally, I reached a point about two years ago I was at this evangelist event where there was a bunch of evangelists and I found myself right back there, feeling timid, feeling my confidence totally drained. And I felt like finally I, instead of just trying to spiritually warfare through it, how many of us do that? I actually stopped and said, God, why? (laughs) Why am I feeling this way, right? (laughs) And finally the Lord, he hit the nail on the head and he spoke to me out of 1 Samuel 17. Turn with me there. 1 Samuel 17 verses 38 and 40. We'll dive into a little bit of this text today to give a little bit of a backdrop of what we're diving into. The whole chapter of 17, Israel is at war. There is a war going on. The Philistines have gathered on one side of the mountain and Israel has gathered on the other side of a mountain and there's this valley that is a battlefield. And they've gathered to go to war and all the men have gone to war and there's there's a man named Goliath, and he's a giant, he's a warrior, he was a warrior and trained to be a warrior from birth. Right out of the womb, he was prepped for war. And Goliath, for, it says for 40 days, was taunting the army of Israel, taunting them saying, send out your best warrior. If you, you know, send out your best warrior, whoever, if, if they, he overpowers me, I will become your servant, we will be your servant, but if I overpower you, you will be our servants. And this went on for 40 days. Can you imagine 40 days, a stalemate, nobody's fighting. They're just waiting because the army of Israel is terrified. And in comes on the scene, this young boy named David. And David's a shepherd, he's not a warrior and he doesn't come there for war. He comes there comes there to deliver groceries. <laughs> he's like, I gotta deliver some groceries to my brothers. And he's this young boy, he's not even of age to be able to fight. And he comes on the battlefield and he sees what's happening. He's like, what in the world? This is the army of God and and this has been happening for 40 days? Nobody's risen up to slay this giant? And he says, what's going to happen to the man that kills the giant? And it turns out they're going to be tax-free for life. The person who slays the giant will be tax-free for life. He'll get to marry the king's daughter and be brought into the throne room table. And David's like, what? Nobody's done this and nobody sees this amazing reward, tax-free for life? Sign me up. He's all excited about it. So this is where we find ourselves. He's brought before the king because word gets out that he is ready to kill the giant. This is where we find verse 38. It says, Saul says, you know, you can come, you can, all right, you can go fight the giant. And then verse 38 says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested the armor. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and then he approached the Philistine. I love that. Amen. That is so good. Look at this this right here. See, when David was wearing the armor of Saul, he comes as the shepherd boy. He's not a warrior. He comes as a shepherd boy and he's clothed with Saul's armor. And when he puts on the armor of another person, when he puts on the identity or the comparison of another person, it says that he tries in vain to go. He's hindered. You see this? He's hindered from going when he's wearing somebody else's armor. You see this? This encouraged me. When I read this, I was like, whoa, this really helps me because I've been trying to wear somebody else's armor and I don't need to wear anybody else's armor, I just need to be me. You just need to be you, amen? See, comparison, when I saw this, when I read this, wearing that armor, see, there's a giant that God wants you to slay. It's not the giant that I'm supposed to slay, it's not the giant that Pastor Aaron is supposed to slay, it's the giant that you're supposed to slay in your life, in your assignment. You have an assignment. To, there's a giant that God has strategically placed in front of you. Amen? But if you go in somebody else's identity, you will not be able to do it. You will be hindered. Amen? But this, what this showed me is that comparison leads to compromising your identity and will corrode your confidence for your destiny. Amen? Did you hear that? I'm going to say it one more time over here comparison leads to compromising your identity and will corrode your confidence for your destiny. You won't be able to go. Amen? This is what was happening with David. And it so encouraged me because I was like, oh, this is what's going on in my life. This is why I don't have confidence to move forward into what I'm supposed to do because I'm wearing someone else's stuff. Amen? A lot of us do this. But we'll never be able to walk out our own destiny wearing, again, I need to say it again, wearing someone else's armor. You cannot, you will not be able to. See, you need to be you because everybody else is taken. I think Papa Leif Hetland says that. and My dad said that to me growing up and I know so many others have said it. I don't know who was the original person, so I won't give anybody credit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Somebody said it, it wasn't me but they basically said that, be you, everybody else is taken. The only person that God has called you and created you to be is you. Amen? See, when David removed Saul's armor and embraced his own unique identity and history with God, he was able to go and overcome the Philistine. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) That really encourages me. You don't need to be somebody else, you need to be you. It's it's good news. <laughs> so what I want you to see is comparison is rooted in trying to live out of someone else's story. Conviction is living out of your own story. Did you hear that? Comparison comes from trying to live out of somebody else's story. Conviction comes when I live out of my own. I want to live with conviction. Amen? I don't want to live with comparison. I want to live with conviction. So David, he stepped out of comparison and moved into conviction when he rested in his own story. I want you to see this. Turn with me again to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to back up a little bit. He comes on the battlefield. Everybody's making fun of him, his brother rips him apart. Literally, his older brother, who's a, who is a warrior, you can picture him in his massive armor. It, sa- it says that all of his brothers were way taller than him, were ripped dudes. You can picture his brothers in their armor and they're in their garb. He's just coming in his shepherd cloak. And in that intimidating look, they start chewing him apart. Like, you just came here for your own vain desire. You just came here because you'll wanna see the battle. You wanna see the war front as a young punk. Like, get out of here and they start making fun of him, and then he's brought to the king, and it says, this is what happens. Can you imagine? You're brought before the president of the United States because word has gotten out that you have a solution for a problem, and this is what happens. Can you imagine how <laughs> this would be such a discouraging thing? It says, David, the word that David spoke came before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Dang, that's discouraging. Your leader of the entire nation is like, nope, you can't go. You're weak. You're little. You're just a teenager. You can't go. That's so discouraging, but listen to this. This is how how David strengthens himself, himself to not fall under comparison, but to live with conviction. He says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) You know, that's good. Dang, I love that. See, David wasn't a warrior. David was a shepherd. He wasn't a warrior. He was a shepherd. David didn't need stories from the battlefield. He needed stories from the field. See, David didn't need to be the warrior. He just needed to be the shepherd. And he was skilled with that thing. It wasn't that he wasn't skilled. He was very skilled. But if David would have gotten insecure and followed under comparison of, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I Well, okay, I'll wear your armor. I better go with this. David would have died. He would have been killed because he, he would have he tried in vain to go. And if he would have gotten up there in that clunky metal, he wouldn't have made it. See, he didn't need to be a warrior. He needed to be a shepherd. Amen? This is who David was. This is, and this is what the same truth for us, is that we don't, David didn't need a sword, he just needed his staff and his sling. See, he didn't have history with a sword, but he did have history with a sling. He had history with God. He had a story of a sling. See, David shook off the expectations and the opinions of the people around him, the, his brother heaping stuff on him. King Saul heaping stuff on him by holding on to his own personal story. Amen. My dad was here during first service, which was awesome, to support me. and uh, He commonly would talk, talk to me because my whole life, and maybe I'm sure there's people in this room that can relate. My whole life, they said, even as a child, people would throw wet blankets on me. And what I mean by that is people would heap their opinions and their expectations on me. I remember when I was a little boy, at even just the county fair of our county, there would be random kids that would come up and start making fun of me and bullying me that I didn't even know. And this would happen at movie theaters. I remember I was, I was at a movie theater, and a whole group of kids stood up and started making fun of me and bullying me that I didn't even know. Isn't that weird? And maybe you can relate to this, where you've had, you feel like people have tried to put their armor on you. People have tried to heap their armor on you, their opinions, their expectations of what they think you should be or what they think it is to be a Christian. But here's the thing is my dad would say, Micah, take those wet blankets and throw them off and put them down on the ground and use them as a stepping stool to get higher, to go higher. Amen. See, anytime what, what the enemy means to harm you, God will use for your victory, the things that the enemy tries to put on you, the armor he tries to lay on you can become your next stepping stone to go higher. Amen, Amen. come on. Woo, (laughs) this is awesome. Look, I'm telling you, your story holds your glory. Your personal story holds your authority. Amen? Is somebody getting excited? I'm serious, it's your story holds your glory. See, you don't have to have anybody else's story. You just have to have yours and you have to know who you are in God. Amen? Who do you know God to be? Who has God been in your life? Not in my life, not in the person next to you's life, not in the other person's social media feed. Who has God been in your life? What has he done in your life See, we remember that time, like we remember those moments, you know, where our relationship maybe is falling apart. There's a relationship that feels like it's breaking and God intervenes and he restores the relationship. Or we're struggling with health and we're battling in sickness and God comes and intervenes and heals us. Or our finances, we're struggling, maybe we need a financial breakthrough and God intervenes on our behalf and our finances are are changed. These are the moments that you have. I know we all have them. Stories of who God is for you. Because your personal story holds your glory. Amen? That's just good. I like that preacher rhyme. (laughs) Your story holds your glory. (laughs) Leif Hetland, the spiritual father uh, in our house and in this church, uh, says this amazing phrase. He says, show me where the enemy has bit you and I'll tell you what your destiny is. Show me where the enemy's bit you and I'll tell you what your destiny is. Look, I'm telling you, no one else can do what you do because nobody else has been through what you've been through. Nobody else, literally God isn't asking you to do what somebody else is doing. He's asking you to do what you're supposed to do and you can only do it, you're the only one that can do it because you're the only one who's been through it. Amen? It's just true. See, the greatest anointing in your life, the place, what I mean of, of your story holds your glory, is that the greatest point of anointing in your life flows from the place of your story. I understand that authority and glory and anointing comes from the cross of Jesus, that he paid it all, it is finished. Through his death on the cross, he made a way for us to walk in authority. But there's something about the process. There's something about the struggle. There's something about the trial. Look, nobody has been through the struggle you've been through. Nobody's been through the battle you've been through where you are set up to be the, be the shepherd that shifts a whole army. See what I'm saying? This is awesome. This is just good news. The greatest anointing in your life flows from the place of your own personal story. For me, I've found a lot of times when I'm out, out and about in public, but even when, I've, when I speak places, when I speak on identity, intimacy, getting over fear because I've battled fear my whole life, and uh, evangelism, there's an anointing that comes in the room. Now that, that, yes, yes, the cross made that available, but I'm telling you, there's something about your story. I've struggled for those things. I've had to wrestle for those things. I've had to battle over my identity. I've had to battle over intimacy with God. I've had to battle over fear. So the very thing that the enemy tried to bite me with is the very thing that I have authority in. Yes. And it's the same for you. You have a story that no one else has. You've been positioned at your job at this time with your friend group for a specific assignment that no one else can do. Isn't that good news? (laughs) You're the David in in the battlefield. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) There's an anointing on those things because they come from your own struggle. We have an anointing because we've been through things. It's through the cross, but... It's one thing to see revelation, it's another thing to become it. You know what I mean? It's one thing to see the anointing and authority that's available, it's another thing to actually take hold of it through your own journey of protecting some sheep and killing a bear and a lion. See what I mean? It's a lot different than just mental idea It's literally your hands get dirty and you're wrestling a bear's mouth that's trying to get you. <laughs> And it gives you authority for the giant that comes later on. Amen? I want to share three things with you. And I promise these aren't going to be long because I want to wrap it up and move into some time here. But I want to share three things with you that will help you stay rooted in your story. Because for me, honestly, this idea and this issue of comparison really led me to a nervous breakdown two years ago. And I like had a major breakdown to the point that I was on my living room floor laying out, gasping for air, feeling like I was having a heart attack. And it was a, a, literally a serious nervous breakdown, but it all was rooted in carrying the opinions and expectations of others. I didn't realize that I had been carrying around this luggage of what everybody else said to, that they thought was the right thing to do. And as I came in here, knew as a new pastor, and it wasn't anybody's fault but mine, I came in, especially as a youth pastor, I began to take every single opinion and expectation that every parent had about how I should do youth ministry. And that was nobody's fault but mine. And I took it on, as my, as, and I would carry anything, or if I saw a social media post from another youth pastor I knew, I was like, oh, I'm gonna adjust my entire compass based on what I saw on that post. Wow, that's bad. That's bad news, right? My whole life I would determine and dictate by the comparison of other people. And this led me to a nervous breakdown where I'm laying on the, on the living room floor, I'm hyperventilating, I'm having, this was the lowest point, and I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And it initially started at youth camp. I'm at youth camp, I'm leading all these teenagers from upper room, I'm in a strange place with a bunch of other teenagers and other youth pastors, And I'm supposed to be one of the guest speakers in the morning session. And that night, the night before, the whole time, I'm I'm riddled with having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, to the point that the embarrassment and the humiliation of me laying on the couch 30 minutes before I'm supposed to speak, and the entire team and leadership of this camp have to come in and surround me and pray over me, seeing me in my pajamas of T-shirt and shorts as the speaker. And they're laying hands on me, and they're praying over me for... And they're like, you can do this. We believe in you. You can speak. And they still had me speaking it. It was crazy. It blew up despite me. A ton of people got saved and all this fun stuff. <laughs> it was awesome. But I, I'm just saying that, that despite my stuff. But what I mean, what I want to encourage you with is like, this is where I was. I was in this moment, in this breakdown that was leading to my breakthrough. And the, and the reality is, is in this point, this tension, I felt like my entire confidence was, was crumbled and gone. And how I built back up, how the Lord built me back up and I climbed out of that dark hole was through these three things. These are what helped me climb out of that and get, get liberated from comparison, the fear of man, and step into confidence and conviction. Amen? You guys ready for these? <laughs> Number one, remember your testimony. And what I mean by this is not just to remember your salvation testimony, but remember, remember every testimony of what God has done in your life. Remember the testimonies. It's so easy to forget. This is why Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, because they forgot the testimony. And then all throughout history, why they sent the judges, why God sent the judges, why every single issue over thousands of years with the nation of Israel happened is because they forgot the testimony. They did not keep the testimony. And there's so much power in remembering the stories of who God was in your life. When we remember who God was, we, we have strength for who he is today. See, when we remember who he was in the past, we can embrace who he is right now. Amen. In the Bible in Revelation, it talks about how the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What this means is that any testimony where God intervened on your behalf, any testimony of where God revealed himself to you, revealed his character, his nature, and fully where He, his solutions, he literally manifested himself into your life. Those moments are a spirit of prophecy meaning when we remember what God did, we're calling him for, to do it again. We're saying, do it again, God. You did that. You broke in in that moment. You can do it again. The same God that you were is the same God that you are. Amen. Another passage in the Bible says that we overcome by the word of the lamb and our testimony. That is just weird, man. I, I, every time I read that, I'm like, because I love the gospel. (laughs) And every time I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. Believers don't just overcome by the word of the lamb, the word of the gospel, the literal testimony of Jesus dying on a cross. That isn't the only thing that can make us overcome. This says that we overcome by the gospel and our testimonies, our testimonies. See, look, 80% of Christianity is just showing up. Literally, I'm telling you, 80% is just flopping in the right direction. We get so performance-oriented, we think, literally, we get so performance-oriented, we think that God is only celebrating when we're really being successful, when we're hitting the mark and we're reading our Bible all the time, we're doing really good. But actually, 80% of the battle is that you show up. And when you just show up, God's like, I'm so proud of you. Man, you're flopping in the right direction. Oh, I'm so proud of you. He sees differently than we see. He, we, he said, "Man, you overcame, man, you just flopped in that direction. You, man, you're still going. You haven't given up. You haven't lost faith. You haven't lost heart. See what I mean? Look, look,, mother. Uh, mother <laughs> mama, mama, Heidi, mama Heidi, Heidi Baker is a missionary, in, and she has this amazing work. over 10,000 churches planted. I think over three, 400 people raised from the dead. and there's all these things that you can name off that are awesome testimonies. But one of the things that I love that she says, she says, if you do not quit, you win. If you don't quit, you win. Just show up, overcome. And this says that we overcome or we don't quit or we have strength through the struggle through remembering our testimony. Remembering our story, amen? So practically, how you can do this is write down your testimonies. I know we all have them. I have in my phone, I just fill testimonies. Sometimes we miss the miraculous because we're expecting something really big. And I love signs and wonders, but sometimes we miss where randomly somebody just paid, you, paid for you to have a cup of coffee and you didn't ask for that and you didn't tell, you didn't, you know, super random. I remember one time last year, we went up to a gas t- station Station to pump fill up our gas and randomly somebody had dumped $40 in there for me to I never got to meet him But sometimes we miss those moments and we don't write them down as testimonies But our life is filled with testimonies So write down your testimonies and then in the moments where you feel like you want to compare yourself to others revisit them Remember them revisit them. Amen Number two you guys ready? Remind yourself of what God spoke to you. Remind yourself of what he spoke. See, God didn't, I, I guarantee you in this room, if you're in a job that you're in, if God assigned you and brought you to a job or wherever, whatever it is that you're doing in this moment, I guarantee you that God did not ask you to do what so-and-so is doing. He didn't lead you to that job. He didn't lead you to that position. He didn't lead you to that favor because he wants you to do what so-and-so is doing. He wants you to do what only you can do. He wants you to do what only you can do. So if you remember, revisit what he spoke to you, I'm sure it'll say, it be, I want you to do what only you can do. I want you to be who only you can be, amen? Take his word like medicine, like the prophetic words over your life, the word of God, like prophetic words never negate this thing, <laughs> I love this thing. But they, I need the prophetic words over my life, but I also need this. And take the word like medicine. In those moments where you want to compare yourself to others, stay in the word. Amen? Stay in the word. See, it's easy. We can compare ourselves to other people's expectations, other people's opinions, other people's lives, the, all the clanging voices that are around us on social media or wherever we go. There's people talking and there's... There's the latest books and the latest things like, but at the end of the day, the greatest thing that we, compare our, we can compare ourselves to is the voice of God, is the word of God. What did he say? Not what did so-and-so say, what did he say? Because I'm telling you, there's a, always a latest charismatic book. There's a, there will be a book that's released or somebody that's preaching and God didn't tell you to be like that. He's not like, okay, read this book and try to emulate it in your life. Try to be just like that book or look at Todd White and be just like him. No, he wants you to be you. The word far greater than even the latest charismatic book release is his word over your life. Amen? His word over your life is more powerful than the latest word from a book. Because so often we start to try to adjust our lives and compare ourselves to the latest and greatest who's who when all we need to be, all you need to be is you. Amen? Number three, and this is a a really important one, is fear God. Fear him. Trust him. If you turn with me to Proverbs 29, 25, you don't have to. I'll read it briefly. It's one verse. It, It says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. See, the snare of the fear of man is comparison and compromise. But the safety that comes in fearing God is conviction and confidence. Amen. Because this, this comparison thing, it really boils down to I fear, I trust in man's voice more than God's voice. I know it sounds intense, but that's because it is intense. <laughs> It's an intense word, but it's just true. We don't need to fear anybody else but him. In a proverb, Proverbs 3, it talks about how it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. I love that this passage ties in trusting God with the fear of God. It's a really joyful thing people talk about the fear of God, like it's really scary, but it's a, it's actually a very joyful thing. What it means is where is your trust? Where is my trust? And this, this is something I have to ask myself on a daily basis. Okay. Where's my trust? Who am I trusting in right now? Am I trusting in the world? Am I trusting in that guy's voice or am I trusting in his? Amen. So it becomes an issue of who am I fearing? Again, sometimes we get weighed down by everybody else's stuff, but at the end of the day, the best thing that measuring stick we can measure ourselves to is the measuring stick of Papa God. And the beautiful thing about his measuring stick is that it says that you've already arrived. You're already beloved and blessed and valued and favored by him. Every other thing tries to get you to climb. But his measuring says you're already there. Amen? Jesus put it the best way and I'm I'm wrapping up here if the band wants to come. In Luke 12, four through five, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you, my friends, do, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do nothing. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, fear him. That sounds intense again because it is intense. I'm like whoa, that's kind of scary, Jesus. But I love what He's saying. Jesus is saying that, look, why do you why we don't need to fear all the other created people? Fear the one who has authority over your spirit. Fear the one that actually created you and was nobody else was there when they he, when you were being intimately formed in your mother's womb. No one else was there, but He was there. Fear Him. Trust Him. When I say fear Him, I mean trust. Trust Him. So practically with this this would be the thing of vulnerability. We open ourselves up and we're vulnerable with whoever we trust. And commonly we open ourselves up and we're vulnerable with the wrong voice. But the issue of vulnerability, I'm telling you, the greatest breakthrough that came for me as I moved out of that darkness of the breakdown into the breakthrough was being vulnerable with God about how I actually felt. And be vulnerable with others about how I actually felt. Not what I think a revivalist should be. Not what, oh, well, if I'm really a Christian, if I'm really a revivalist, I wouldn't have these thoughts. No, I'm going to be vulnerable about this thought. I feel angry. I'm frustrated. I'm going to share these, not just with him, but with other people. Aaron and Nicole got some weird emails during that time. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody want to stand with me? going to go back into worship, but I want to recap here. God's not asking you to be somebody else. He's just asking you to be you. See, your own personal story carries your glory. He's not asking you to wear somebody else's armor. He's asking you to be you. And he wants us to be liberated and freed from comparison and live a life of conviction. And the ways that we can do this is three ways of remembering the testimony of what he's been in your life. Remind yourself of what he spoke to you. And three, trust him. Open your heart to him. Trust him alone. What he says is the greatest opinion for your life. So I'm gonna pray really quick. And I believe that maybe there's a call here that I don't know if this is something you've wrestled with. It's definitely something I've wrestled with. But I believe that in the coming days, if if this is something you felt you've struggled with, as you remember the testimony, as you remind yourself of the word of God, as you stand in trust of who he is and who he says that you are, I believe that that armor of comparison is gonna fall off you. God's gonna lift that comparison off you where you can be free to be the shepherd that God has called you to be. So I'm gonna pray. I want you to just take arms with the person next to you. Father, as we take arms, we're a family here. We're a family of divine originals, made unique in your image. Thank you that we don't need to be anybody else. You just ask us to be who we are, walking with you, linking up with you, walking in relationship with you. So Father, right now, God, I just, I just declare as we remember the testimony of who you are in our life, as we remind ourselves of the words and the prophetic words you spoke over us and the trust and the vulnerability to open our hearts to you, that this comparison, this armor is falling off. We just command that armor to drop to the ground, that we can lay it aside and be comfortable in our own skin. Be comfortable in our own skin. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Come on. Let's give a shout to Jesus because he's working. Amen. Well, so good. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you guys. Hey, remember your testimony. Remind yourself of the word of God of your life. Trust him, fear him. Have an amazing week. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday. And we will see you guys this Tuesday night if you can make it at the prayer night or next Sunday.
0: Love you guys.